Yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, June the 21st in the year of our Lord 2018. I think yesterday, which was Wednesday, someone mentioned I said June the 30th. No, it was the 20th, but today is the 21st, and being a rumination Thursday means that with us we have our good friend, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Are you a theologian of glory or a theologian of the cross? I think I'd rather be a theologian of the cross. (laughs) I think we all would, if it was even understood. I had preached here on Tuesday and began talking about that this was the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And, of course, nobody agreed with me because Luther had written the 95 statements in 1517. So last year we celebrated it. But I made the point in the sermon that it was the Heidelberg Disputation where Luther really expands on his thinking. There were a number of statements in the 95 that he had to correct later on. But the Heidelberg is such a brilliant uh, piece of uh, a document that it was used to have a debate with the Augustinian order. And there are a whole number of various principles that he has, over two dozen of them, But yesterday we were talking about how there are individuals who really believe that Christianity can be destroyed or contradicted if something happens in our experience. Mm. And we were making the point that the devil has the ability to do miracles that could cause even the elect to be deceived. And I understand you uh, had found some other passages in the Scripture uh, about that. Can you help us with those? Right. Well, to begin with, you had quoted um, Deuteronomy 13. And uh, it's like anything else, you forget a lot of stuff you read. And uh, I thought it was good, you know, where a sign or a wonder could come true. But if it led to a false god, uh, they wanted you to follow uh, another God other than the triune God and not to be listened to. And I even use the example of that woman who had a um, bad spirit in her who could accurately tell the future, and the owners were really angry at Paul and Silas when Paul told the evil spirit to come out of her. So there's another example of the devil being able to do what we would consider as a miracle. Well, and, you know, a good point you bring up, Jesus in Matthew chapter 25 brings it up when he talks about uh, the the end times, and of course we live in those those latter days of, of, of the earth. In Matthew 24, false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders, so to mislead even the elect. So uh, we're going to see these things happen one way or the other. But what I thought was interesting was Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It talks about the lawless one, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. Some commentators call that uh, counterfeiting miracles, that Satan's able to produce uh, a counterfeit of miracles. Yeah, I would have given as an example of that the many so-called appearances of the Virgin Mary. Mm. You know, and people, 
you know, set up locations where they thought they had her speaking to them and this sort of thing. That would be a good example of the devil doing things because, of course, Mary is still uh, in the grave, although in the spirit she is with Jesus. There's no way that she's knowledgeable about what is happening here on earth. Good example. How about the, these uh, people that say that they died and went to heaven and came back? Wouldn't that be another example of that? Yes. In fact, I had done an analysis of two of those books. And by the way, uh, uh, one of the youngsters who said this is what he had found in a vision has now confessed that all that was untrue. Mm. Yeah. Another, he had made yeah. it all up. You know, another that that uh, we we often read in, during the church here, and uh, I think fits in well as temptations of Jesus, where Satan comes and tempts him after he's been in the wilderness for forty days. Yeah. Now, and, there's no specific miracle there that Satan does, is there? No. No. There isn't, but he he definitely talks about the power that he has to, to grant things. Oh, good. That's right. Yeah, he says, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the earth. Yeah. You know, as though he has that power. So sometimes it's a white lie, but there's just no doubt there are examples in the Bible. Uh, the one I kind of think about is, uh, remember, Saul and the witch at Endor. Endor, yeah. I was thinking about that one, too, where... Uh, he says, yeah, uh, tomorrow you'll be with me. Yes. So once one understands that the devil can do miracles, this leads to what I consider to be one of the, the best statements that Luther has. It's number 19 in the Heidelberg Disputation. And he says, that person does not deserve to be called a theologian, who looks upon the invisible things of God as though they were clearly perceptible in those things that have actually happened. Hmm. Now, well, what's he talking about there? Well, he's taking a look at the, the theologian of glory, at um, earthly things, events, and works, and then deciding what God is like. And that always leads to Thesis 21 that the theologian of glory calls evil good and good evil. So th this is really excellent. In, in other words, there's a fundamental difference in sight that is involved between the theologian of glory and the theologian of the cross. It's perception the theologian of glory operates on the assumption that creation and history are transparent to the human intellect, that one can see through what happens so as to peer into the invisible things of God. Mm. Yeah, as I hear you talk about it, it kind of reminds me of these Indian tribes, American Indians, where they, they uh, go out and uh, for a couple of weeks and connect with the spirit world and some eagle or buffalo comes up and tells them what, what to expect in their life. Yes, exactly. And in fact, um, the visible creation for the theologian of glory yields clues 
as to the nature of God. For example, there's mm. no doubt in our world that if you do very good at work, you're going to have a promotion. And if you are not good, you come in late, you have long lunches, you leave early, you don't get your work done, you're not going to be promoted. People take that visibility thing they see and apply it to God, thinking that that's how they're going to get to heaven. They need to do good works, and they'll be promoted to heaven. Okay. Now I got this one. What, what happens if you, you come into work, do your job, and it's the best that you can be, but it doesn't happen? You don't get the, the promotion. You get a little overlooked. What do you do then? What does a person who thinks they should have had a promotion and don't get it, what do they think about the employer? Hmm. He's not a very good employer. That's exactly how people think about God. They hmm. do all this work and they put seed in the ground and they make sure that the ground is prepared. They buy the best of seed. The crops start coming up and all of a sudden hail comes down and destroys their crops. And how many times have you not heard this from members of the congregation? Occasionally they'll come and say, Pastor, this is what happened to me. What did I do right, to yeah. deserve that? Yeah. No, you're, you're right. Uh, they blame God for, for some Absolutely. Aspect. And then, of course, you remind them on Sunday mornings, their confession, where they say that they deserve nothing but temporal and... Eternal punishment. <laughs> and I'm saying, and you had a problem with a flat tire? <laughs> <laughs> What did I do to deserve that? Yeah. That, that? That's another big point that's made that God uses suffering to draw us to him mm. again Boy. and again. Well, yeah, you were talking about Job earlier in the week, were you not? I mean, yes, Job went, underwent a lot of suffering, but uh, out of it came, you know, better understanding of God and his life with God. Not on the basis of his friends and wife. <laughs> Remember, his friends were telling him, Job, obviously you have done something wrong because God is treating you so badly. And his wife even said, curse God. Yeah. yeah but, see, that's uh, natural theology looking at their experience to figure out what God is like. Right. Perfect yeah, example. The other one that I was looking at was Ephesians. You know, it's it's kind of all the way through there about the prince of the power of air and the sons of disobedience and how we we're dead in our trespasses in Ephesians 2. And uh, the fact that we need to walk in, in Christ, that we're saved by grace through faith. And then, you know, you get to chapter 6, and it talks about putting on that full armor of God because we wrestle with those those false spirits out there. Yes. Yeah, I was putting down a list of things I've heard from members where they appear to say that, you know, there really isn't a God of the Bible. They'll come to us and say something like, you know, if God loves me so much, how come my child died of a disease when he was very young? Or if God loves me so much, uh, how come I'm losing my house because I can't find a job? Or if God loves me so much, and they'll say one thing after the other. 
And I've even heard a layman say, you know, if I knew that they found the bones of Jesus, my faith would be destroyed. What they don't understand is they're using experience to counter the Bible. And thus you were talking about the theologian of glory and the theologian of the cross. Yes, the theologian of glory will take the miracles of the devil, and the devil easily could do a miracle where it appears that the bones of Jesus were discovered. No, that will never truly be true. Not because there aren't bones there, but because it disagrees with the Bible. And so if you move away from the Bible, you'll start talking about the experience you're having that would destroy your Christian faith. There is no experience you and I can have, Wes, that will ever contradict the Bible. It almost takes you all the way back to to Adam and Eve and the experience that they had in the garden to be like God by eating of the apple. Yes, God doesn't want you to eat the apple because then you will become like God, knowing good and evil. Well, they began to believe the experience they were having with the devil. That, that's how the devil deceives the elect. He mm. says things or does things. And you look how many people have left Christianity because they can't understand if God is so almighty and so loving, how come there's so much suffering in the world? Mm. And they can't get that around their heads. Yeah. Uh, I just lost my train of thought. Well, that's the devil at work again. (laughs) I thought it was old age kicking in. No, well, uh, go back to the caboose and see if you can catch up to the engine. (laughs) Well, the other one that that I ran across was, you know, 2 Corinthians 11. We we quote that so much that, that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. But, you know, as you read through that chapter, it's talking about false prophets, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as the apostles of Christ, that uh, those two are part of the prince of the power of the air, or, or uh, as Jesus said, you're of the, your father, the, the devil, you know, a liar from the very beginning. And, and nothing can be more powerful than that passage in Corinthians, that the unbeliever is unable to understand the things of God. No amount of reason uh, that a person can use or philosophy or evidence or anything will ever convince an unbeliever that Christianity is true. true. The only yeah. thing that happens is you have to use the means of grace, which are Bible statements, and the Holy Spirit takes them and creates faith, which means trust in the words of the Bible. Right. It's an, it's an object, what we would call somewhat of an objective means, something outside of ourselves, that, is, that we rely on the Word of God itself, not uh, our own thoughts or, or that of other people. Yes. You know, I was look, looking at this uh, John 8. You belong to the father of your devil. He wants to carry out his desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Yes. Not holding to the truth in him. Now, I like how New International puts it. When he lies, he speaks his own native language. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and we have to join in his language. 
Yeah. Well, that's, that's what happens with temptations or, you know, uh, veiling over what happens with, with, a, with a person is, is this is shade the truth a little as, as he did with Eve in the garden. Yes. I, I've noticed that uh, there are a lot of questions that the Bible doesn't solve. For example, if the Bible teaches that God elects people before the creation of the world, how can there be freedom, some people will ask. And then they attempt to solve this problem by working with philosophical assumptions, reasonable assumptions. Well, there is no way to solve the problems of theology where the Bible hasn't given an answer. And that's why we don't live by sight. We don't need reasons uh, to believe that Jesus died and that he rose and that he ascended. Uh, because there are no reasons for the unbeliever. He'll never accept anything. He's an unbeliever. But for the believer, you keep talking about the facts of the Bible. Oh, you know, there in, the, in uh, 1 Corinthians, it says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. You know, we're, we're trying to outthink God there. Yes. Oh, when we preach the law, there is a terror of the divine majesty that we want to come into the hearts of people. Uh, boy, I cannot meet God's demands. Now, you don't get rid of that terror through theological explanations like every other religion in the world attempts to do, but rather through a preaching of the cross that Jesus took care of that terror of the divine majesty by taking upon himself the punishment that we deserved, he instead willingly sacrificed his own life. You know, that gets back to that uh, key account that we made, you know, where you draw a line. On the one side is man's religion, on the other side is, uh, is, is God's religion. And one is Christ only. The other one is uh, is 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 the terror that we get from the law, but also the you know uh, how we can work and lie our way to heaven. Yes, if there is a problem of God, it's not going to be solved in the classroom or the courtroom. It's going to be solved in the church, and that's where the means of grace is pronounced again and again. Now, when you say courtroom, what are, what are you referring to? Well, a lot of people like to think that if they had the ability, they could put God on trial and they would become successful in defending him. We mm. saw what happened when even Adam attempted that. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I was thinking, too, of the... Epistle lesson from last week was Second Corinthians five. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yeah, how do you understand that from a philosophical point of view? Uh, in the courtroom, there, if you're going to go to jail on the basis of being good or bad, then all that has to happen is that they show that you were bad. Mm. But in the church, even when you are shown to be bad you are still free from having to go to an eternal prison. 
And he's... That doesn't make uh, any sense at all. No, it doesn't. But it, it, it is talking about a stacked courtroom, and Christ is right there at the bottom and at the, at the very core of it. And, of course, if you're trusting in his promises, you know, you got that saving faith. That's what he's looking to and not your works. You're in heaven. I think Romans 1, verses 21 and 22 really Mm -hmm. make a point, uh, especially in light of those who have devised out of their imagination new religions and new reasons to believe in the Bible, claiming to be wise they become fools. Fools, yeah. And I, I don't understand how people are trying to defend God or defending what happens in the Bible. Uh, they, first of all, don't understand the distinction between historic faith and saving faith. faith. Yeah. Historic faith simply believes everything the Bible says happened as history. Well... Every Christian should believe that, but it doesn't save anybody. You you can believe in creation versus evolution. You can believe in the virgin birth versus not a virgin birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and you'll still not be saved. Because saving faith refers to trusting the promises of the gospel connected to those historical facts. Right. Well, it's back to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that who, whoever believes in Him should yes. not but have eternal life. In fact, and that, go ahead. Not only John three sixteen, Genesis three fifteen. Hmm. Remember the promise that God gave to the serpent. The promise to the serpent. Yes. He promised he could crush his head. That's right. And he would end up bruising the heel of the seed of Eve. And by the way, those are the same words used in Isaiah, that he was bruised for our iniquity. And there, when people heard that Jesus had risen from the dead, they, they still had no understanding until it was explained to them with the promises because that road to Emmaus is just a tremendous passage where Jesus probably went through the Old Testament verses such as Isaiah 53 to explain why he was crucified, namely that the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. You love that Emmaus account, don't you? Oh, because it reminds me of the Aquila-Priscilla account with Apollos, where he was a fairly decent Christian, but he was still ignorant, and they sat down with him and explained more accurately the meaning of the things he believed. And in a way, you know, when we're witnessing to people out there, that uh, a lot of times we we have to spend some time talking and explaining to them that uh, sometimes it doesn't come right away to, you know, the confession of faith that they they believe as we believe, but it takes time for us to sit down and explain to them what's going on. Well, that's why in adult instruction, it wasn't at all unusual 12 to 18 weeks I would have, depending on whether a person already was a Christian, not so much time, but if they were an unbeliever, it, it did take a lot more time to explain what we believe in the Apostles' Creed 
and the meaning of Christ's passion, because even if they believe these things happened, it, it doesn't save anybody. Right. Yeah, and I found that classes that I taught sometimes went two or three hours because we'd get the lesson, we'd get through the lesson later, sooner or later at some point, but we were answering questions left and right that they were asking that were coming up. Yes. I remember one of my favorite professors, Dr. Richard Klan, he would start a class with a question and never accept any of the answers. <laughs> um, as I look back, I think some of them were closer than he wanted, but he didn't want us to answer until he finally uh, got it. I, I remember, what does it mean that God is all-powerful? All Oh, okay. And, um, you know, everybody would say, well, he can do anything. And, of course, Klan showed out, no, he can't send Christians to hell. And he finally said what it means that God is almighty is there is no power outside of God. Ooh, okay. And that shows why we're saved by grace, through faith, on account of Christ. Oh. All right, next week, we're all done. Oh, my, it went quick. So we'll look forward to having you back. We'll talk about it. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on Worldwide KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.